I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship with your host, Claudia Pauls. Welcome back to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. And we have quite a team with us today. Um, I think all of DASIS, well not all of DASIS, but some wonderful uh, members of DASIS are with us. Um, Deborah Hackworth is here and she is the uh, Director of Advocacy Services. Also joining us, Ellen Higgins, the Director of Housing. Um, Rose Ludwig, our Executive Director, is here as well. And Elizabeth Alderson, a therapist at DASIS. So uh, welcome once again. And we, uh, in a previous episode, we're talking about the many ways that abuse changes victims, changes you or someone who has been through um, abuse, domestic violence, all of the different things uh, that can happen. Um, And now we're going to kind of move a little bit beyond that. So I'm not sure who wants to start particularly, but talking about ways that that victims can get their power back can can I think you phrased a little bit earlier, Liz, about find their new normal or what's going to happen now that they're coming out of that abusive situation that was a whole lie. it wasn't even a question let's pretend I asked a question so what are some ways that you can begin to get your power back well at DASIS we operate under an empowerment philosophy and the philosophy is to help the survivor realize their own power and their own ability to make decisions for themselves and to make the changes that's necessary in their lives. So that's where it starts with just the our empowerment philosophy. And I really think too it's it's what learning who you are. What what's my favorite color? We've we've talked about that Deb and I for years with our clients. Who are you? What do you enjoy? What do you like? that you lost in part of your relationship because you weren't able to do what you wanted or say what you wanted or enjoy what you wanted because somebody else was controlling you. And sometimes that's the first step of empowerment. What's your favorite color? What kind of clothes do you like to wear? What do you like to eat? What do you want to eat for dinner? Like in the movie Runaway Bride. Love it. When she's eating, she eats her eggs however he cooks them for her. And by the end, she realizes she doesn't even like eggs. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) She can decide to have whatever she wants to have for breakfast. Yeah, I'm sure there are like specific steps that are going to happen for people to begin to get this power back instead of sort of waiting for someone to... I don't know, give them the power or help them get through it? Well, like Liz said, um, first of all, they need to realize that reaching out for help isn't a sign of weakness, but that's the most courageous thing that they can do. And there's no courage without fear. 
I've never heard that before. Yeah, there's no such thing as courage if there isn't any fear. Right. So the definition of courage is basically do it scared. Wow. And so if you have um, stepped out to ask for help, then you've made your first courageous move. Right. Yeah. And when you come to the shelter, that's the first one of the first things we say to you is we are so thankful and we're so proud of you for coming to us for help. Mm-hmm. Because that is the biggest first step you could ever make. Mm-hmm. And realizing that is the first step, too. That's, mm-hmm. not, that's not the step. There are going to be lots of steps lots that of are going to come after that. Absolutely. It's not a quick fix. No. No, it's not. And realizing that um, success comes in all different times, all mm-hmm. different ways, all different sizes. If you're expecting to walk out today and feel good tomorrow, then you're setting yourself up for failure. Know that this is a process. It was a process um, of power and control and tactics that your abuser used to get you in a situation that you're in. And it's going to be a process to get out of it. But knowing that you're not alone in that process helps. And so we do our best to let our clients know that you're not alone. We'll be here with you through this process. Whatever you decide, if you felt alone before, know you're not alone now. And realizing that you can teach yourself to act the way you want to. You don't have to keep responding to things the way you always did. Well just finding out who you are who am I I'm Deborah I'm a wife I'm a mother I'm an advocate you know but who am I in relationship to who Deborah is and what does Deborah want her life to look like you know um, outside of the abuse my new normal if I can have my life the way that I want it what would that look like and for so many um, survivors, they haven't taken that time to think about themselves or look at their lives in a way that matters to them. Mostly they were looking it, at not to trigger the abusive situation to continue. Abusers abuse because they want you to be who they want right. you to be at all times. So now you're looking at you. Who are you? Wow. And that's a scary question. And it, it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I mean, who am I? That's huge, you know? What is... There's so many questions, possibilities out there. I mean, it's not, you know, what do you want to do today? You know, when you come into shelter, what do you want to do today? What are your goals? What do you mean, what are my goals? I have a million different options. You know, it can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Where do I want to live? Where do I want to work? Where do I want my kids to go to school? What county or state do I want to live? I mean, there are, it's like asking a 15-year-old, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Right. Oh. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and for many survivors, this is that, the first time that they're living again Mm -hmm. under that free will ability. And so... For a lot of survivors, it's overwhelming the options that they have. And so that turn of like the the path of least resistance for them kind of is, well, you tell me what right. I should do or say. It's or, easier. You know, because mm-hmm. it's easy. I'm used to, yeah, I can follow directions. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, it's, and, you know, so we kind of have that pushback sometimes of like, no, what do you want to do? Oh. Right. It's that, you know, kind of helping them feel it out. What do they want to do? And how learning how they can become mm-hmm. who it is mm-hmm. they are and, and have mm-hmm. always been, but mm-hmm. maybe. Well, that's like when we do our intake 
at the shelter we do a hope and healing intake and half of that is you know hope for tomorrow and the other half is the healing aspect because you can move forward but if you don't ever deal with what you've experienced a part of you will always be stuck there so we want you to hope for a better tomorrow and we want to help you find out what that's going to look like um, but we also want you to heal from the trauma that you've experienced and realizing that you have been changed by that trauma yes, and that's okay yes and and then you don't want not going forth with nothing under you i mean that's where the healing comes in mm-hmm. so you've got a firm foundation to move forward yeah so when we ask you know what do you want your life to look like i then say i will give you you know do you need time to think about that question because mm-hmm. it is a big question um but we also want them to think about that what do there's nothing that is too big or too small and it could be something as simple as you know i i want to get my first job or i want to go to the store by myself mm-hmm. and not be timed mm-hmm. and wow. come back when i feel like coming back mm-hmm. or it could be as big as i want to open my own business mm-hmm. whatever that you know aspiration or what whatever it is that they want their life to look like is what we want to help them make their life look like and a lot of times when they'll say what their hopes and dreams are those old voices will creep back into Mm. their head um well i can't do it because of this i'm not smart enough i'm not good enough i'm not this i'm not that and so our jobs as advocates is to help them realize what their strengths actually are. I had a young lady who was in shelter and she was like, I don't know nothing. I don't know how to do anything. I never completed high school. And so um, I was like, okay, well, we can work with this. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, let's do a resume. She's like, I have nothing to put on a resume. But as we began to talk and just talk about her life and just let her tell me about herself, she began to tell me about how her parents were machinists and they taught her how to read a micrometer and they taught her different skills and things that she didn't think was even important. I was like, girl, (laughs) that's skilled labor. You know how to do things that people in everyday life don't know how to do i was like there are jobs out there specific to that and so by the time we got done we had a pretty impressive resume together and she did go out and get a machinist position right down the road from where we were and so she was able and that was the start she was able to see herself differently go after what she wanted and that was a victory for her absolutely mm. not seeing yourself as a victim has to be a huge step in getting your power back one small victory can be mm-hmm. the leaping point for great things mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a great victory small things mm-hmm. that you can accomplish can set you up to know that you can do greater things that's right one step at a time Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Celebrate the small wins. Mm -hmm. Just just celebrate all of them. Every little thing. We have a a board at the shelter, a board. We have a whole wall (laughs) that we put there. We put butterflies on every time that one of them accomplishes something in their life. And it's some of them are big. Some of them are I graduated college. Some are I got a job. Mm -hmm. Some are they're just everything that they've accomplished 
um, while being at shelter. So when they walk by it, they can be reminded, like, you did this. No mm-hmm. one but you. You did this on your own in your strength and your ability. Yeah. I was sober today. I've been sober for a mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. I've been, you know, I was able to... Um, get up and feed my kids and do the things that I needed to do in a day. That's a win. Absolutely. I walked down to the store unafraid today. Yeah, oh, like, that's huge. Yep, yep, absolutely. absolutely. Right. And so realizing their own strength. Mm-hmm. Not, not strength that we give to them, but strength that already lies within mm-hmm. them to do what they need to do. I'm a firm believer that we are born with what we need to um have to succeed it's just tapping into what is already in us that makes it possible for Mm -hmm. us to succeed yeah we're just kind of like stoking their little fires that are already there you know we're not adding to it we're not adding wood or fuel or anything to what they've brought it to us and we're just there poking it and prodding it and you know moving the logs so that fire ignites we're not adding anything to our clients they that's an empowerment thing they have the power we're just reminding them that that fire even exists inside of them exactly and having made that first courageous step to Mm -hmm. get out of the abusive situation where they were being told they didn't have the power Mm -hmm. is that great step to be able to get it back and we're going to give them time because that first step takes a lot out of you. Oh, I would think. <laughs> that first mm-hmm. step can knock the wind out of you, and you're going to need time and someone to be patient with you to understand, okay, that first step was a lot. That first step was a doozy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I need to recover so that I know that I can make that second step that I need to make. Right. Recovering. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. This was, as always, so amazingly informative. And we hope our listeners are taking to heart that there is hope and healing in their futures. Um, DeSusMI.org or 1-800-828-2023. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, D-A-S-A-S-M-I dot org. That's DASASMI dot org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.